This episode of Super Pulp Science has been brought to you by Gear and C, a brand new YA novel set in the Silent Guardians universe, written by Claire C. Marshall. The book is now available for pre-order at bigcartel.com slash chasing artwork. <laughs> Attention, citizens, it's time for Super Pulp Science. Welcome back to Super Pulp Science, where we talk about how genre gets made. We have uh, been absent, dear listeners, for a couple of weeks, and Justin and Sam and Dan and I feel bad about it, but we're back. And we're happy about it. And we've aged terribly. Yeah, we have. Here's a few. Here's the names of a few things that um, kept us away: uh, Dragon Nanny, Gear and Sea, Good Boys, Red Earth, Arena City, Krampus is my boyfriend, uh, Brilliant Dark, and uh, two new projects for Printed in Blood. So we were busy. I'm sorry. We, we don't yeah, isn't want that it. unfortunate that three individuals who wanted to set out to make their living as artists were busy because of their art? Is it unfortunate? No. <laughs> it feels unfortunate. Because <laughs> didn't we make this so that people could follow along with the journey and then we left them out of some key <laughs> like storms in the journey? We've got a pretty robust backlog of things they can listen to that... Look, dear listener, we appreciate you and we love you. We've been busy. We really don't want to call you out. (laughs) Let's backtrack a little bit. I will say that to the people that reached out to me directly uh, via Instagram and Twitter and my email saying like, is something wrong? I can't load the podcast. What's happening? (laughs) We really appreciate that you were listening so intently that you noticed our absence. We also felt the absence and... uh, we have been awfully consistent for how many episodes are we up to? 60? Almost 60 episodes. Yeah. So we had most people build a uh, backlog, as Dan always encourages us to do, of evergreen episodes. Something that you can listen to, that we can post, even though we may have recorded it earlier, so that you don't notice our absence. A few times, dear listener, in those 60 episodes, we actually were also too busy, but we had pre planned. This stuff just caught up with us before we could do that. So we're going to try and po- get some evergreens in the can uh, moving forward so that um, so that we don't let you down again. <laughs> um, what do you guys want to talk about today? There's so many things. I want to say this. I think this is, requires a public shout out to Justin and Sam. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went away for a few days with my family. And when I came back, they had done all the heavy lifting on getting... A book to print. I think to Claire press. might need a shout out there too. Claire well, is going we're to come talk on the show. In a minute. We're going to talk content in a minute. Yeah. Right. But I mean, like, there's all the little bits of stress that go into getting a book ready. Yes. And um, you guys carried the weight of that while I played with my kids. And I really appreciate that. And the thing so. is that you require time to play with your kids in order to make art. So we were wanting to play with our... We don't have kids yet. We wanted to go out and into the, into the world and do other things. But, um, and we're going to have Claire on the podcast. We're going to Skype her in to talk more about the whole process for writing a book basically from 
a nothing in that now we're at this stage where it's a printed thing um dear listener you can go to chasing artworks big cartel and you can actually pre-order the book now um we've gotten a couple pre-orders we have yes yeah. claire's going to be putting it up on her fairy ink press website as well she's just working on those pages uh but as of today the book is in production at the printer and for those of you who this is your first episode wondering why we're apologizing for being absent Hello and welcome. <laughs> um, and the thing we're talking about is Gear and Sea, which is written by Claire C. Marshall. And uh, Justin and I have made two books in the Silent Guardian universe, Cassian Tonk and Rust and Water. And when it came to expanding it into a different market with a different voice and expanding that story to be a, a book book instead of a graphic novel, we uh, reached out to Claire and she delivered in spades. Yes. And yeah. Jen, she uh, has quite... The ream of experience. If you go to any of her social, her favorite thing is updating her banner with all of her books on it. <laughs> I saw that. And she's great. nearly at 10. This is number nine. Uh, so she is, she's just super pumped. And she's done a lot in the fantasy genre. And that's kind of why we were like, it just is a no-brainer. And we spend a lot of time with her going to cons. Does this count as her first... Um Maybe work for hire is the wrong term, but it's spec, I guess. Or um, does this count? Is this her first time she's ever? Yes, every everything else that she has written is original work that she conceptualized from her own IP. This is something that she has done based on someone else's IP. So mental note: when we bring her on the podcast, we have to ask her why she said yes to us. As someone who's yeah. mid eight, ten books herself without needing anybody else's help or I'm ideas, I'm sure has had offers like this in the past. Yeah, why would she say yes? Interesting. Because it's her, well, I'm not going to speak for yeah, her. Yeah, no, um, don't. We will. I won't. She's listening. I guess she is. <laughs> she will text me later and be like, why did you put words in my mouth? Uh, I love her dearly. She's my best friend of almost 10 years now. Uh, but, yeah, it was an, ex we, I don't know, it just seemed to fit. It just seemed to fit with, you know, the things that she does, things that she loves to do. And it was a really fun process. I was the editor on it, um, but it was a bit different than my other work. Usually I'm handed a manuscript that's already finished and I dive in um, to shape it. Claire was sending me chapters as they were finished, and then we would work on them from there. And so I was with her every single step of the way, and we talked about it every day as the book was developing. Um, but again, I don't want to get too deep into that right. because I want to have her. We can talk about our experience be. without putting any words in her mouth. Like for me, the first time that you, so, so dear listener, we put Sam between us and Claire in the process of communication so that the, as the editor should be. Right? You guys had meetings with her to talk about things sure. you wanted yeah, in the book. And yeah. Ahead of time. But once that was done, we just let her run wild run into wild the sunset and knew that Sam had our best, like the project's best interests at heart. And so would show up at once in a while uh, in a book meeting and say, Claire needs this answer. And we'd be like, oh, well, we never really, we don't really need to know that. She's like, no, yes. You do. You it's do. a book. Answer. It's, <laughs> it's a, a different. It's not. Um, you can't fill it in with a picture. If you are blind, stay indoors. If you can see, keep a constant lookout. One thing I do want to talk about, because we do have that gentleman here today, is the cover and the uh, the general packaging, like the layout. Uh, so Justin, if you follow him on any of his social media, he, and also like again, you can go to the Big Cartel page. But he did this insane, wonderful, exactly. Perfect. No, it was it was more than what I envisioned. It was going to be cover for it. Um, and he stayed up all night, and he slept basically on top of his tablet as he was, as he was so making it. The way this, the last three weeks, have, it's kind of been a perfect storm of um, 
Yeah, Gregory had a vacation with his family. Yeah, we didn't name all the cities okay. we've been to in those yeah, two weeks I'm, either. I'm getting there. Yeah. So, um, Gregory was out of town, uh, fairly unreachable. Sammy got pretty... <laughs> fairly unreachable. Burn. Put that on my tombstone. <laughs> should be on your business card. <laughs> Here's all my information, but I'm fairly unreachable. <laughs> um, Sammy got slammed with quite a bit of, of work and projects. Mm-hmm. And then I had... The Emerald City Comic Con in Seattle and uh, the C2E2 Comic Convention in Chicago back to back. And those are both very large American conventions that require a ton of extra logistics and effort on my end to do. And this w- these were also my first conventions of the year. Um, I had had a smaller show uh, with Akon, but these were like the first big conventions I was doing. So. There was that pressure there, and there was all this other work. And at the same time, I probably, this was also like the two, three weeks that Gear and C was leading up to its um, deadline. But I kind of got swept away with all the convention stuff. So when I got back from Chicago, I essentially had 48 hours to finish this cover. I think an important thing to point out is that if you had only had eight hours, you would have finished a cover, and it would have been a pretty good cover. But that's not how you are with your art good enough isn't good enough usually so like you know i wasn't here to watch it but i've watched you do it before where you know the piece is essentially done and then i come back the next day and you're like yeah i was here till 6 a.m 4 (laughs) a.m and i was just getting it right you know and so that's something that it is true that we could have or you could have just done a version made the title mm-hmm. treatment, made the made the text big enough that it fills it all up and we don't need any We're going to get to the text in a yeah. second here. Yeah. Because it, I walked in at the tail end of Justin's like yeah. mad night and he had just kind of woken up and gotten back to work um, because I had to come into the studio uh, because we just, I it would be, it was better that I just sat here and we finished it up while talking to each other mm-hmm. um, to get those last couple of things together for the layout before sending it to press etc because anyone who works in freelance knows how emails eat your life up Mm -hmm. right if you can get into the room with people then a thing that takes you seven minutes to send the emails and respond takes you 40 seconds to say it and get the response and that was actually on a podcast day and we were going to have dan come in at the same time oh dan came in and dan came in I came in, oh. and um, oh, I uh, came in, and Justin was yeah. I, th- I now he said I've been here all night. I assumed you were you'd been up all night. Although I guess you did. I grab took some a nap. Yeah, but, and yeah, so that was quite an interesting. And and, the, and he was still willing to do the podcast. He's like, yeah, I'll bring the microphone over to my desk, and we'll uh, we'll talk. But with nobody else here, I was like, oh, I don't know if I can carry that. So uh, I said, don't worry, you have your deadline. Finish. Your- Finish the cover. You should just let him talk to himself for an but, hour. <laughs> I'll move this over here. I'll do this over there. And then I'll I would have come comments. in, and it Please. would have just been a lot of yelling. Yeah. And a, um, but it, but that what was really magical about that day is yeah, you were continuing to work, but then you were able to kind of be like, how do you? What do you think of this? And then I would be like, yeah, that's great. And I would go back and continue on the layout. And then he'd be like, ooh, I did something by accident. It looks great now. <laughs> Accidents are the um, best. This was one of those um, pieces that I didn't have a clear vision in my head what it was going to be. I knew there was there was three elements. I wanted to have um, the guts of the robot, like pieces of the robot scattered, and I needed the two girls. But I didn't exactly know how that was all going to fit together, so I just started working on the individual elements for like hours and this dread of like, when I bring this all together, it's not going to work. I don't know how it's going to work when I bring it all together. And so Sam got here like 
two hours after I'd woken up at like five thirty six in the morning and I was putting it all together for the first time and it's due at lunch and it was finally coming together so by the time Sam got here I was finally excited about the piece but prior to that it had been like 18 hours of oh god I don't know if this is going to turn out but also there's that kind of and we had talked about this where you were like it's not just the cover it's this whole book we have to get this whole book out and so I think that was also in your head too at the same time of having to carry that. And then I just kind of... It's not just my book. There's other people I know. who will get like... And I just kind of breeze in and you're, you're very stressed. And I'm like, oh, this is nothing. Can I point out that you did that for me this morning? I have a really... On Friday, I have to turn in files for Red Wait, Earth. Before, before we get to that, yeah. we're going to get... Um, the last thing I did for the cover was the title treatment. Oh, yeah. No, we're going to come back. Oh, we're going to circle back okay, to that. He really, he really I wants to talk about that. I, need I, need to to just wanna re- I just want to talk about Sam's ability no, when we're freaking out about like the deadline and like it's impossible. There's too much to do. How can you do it? This is where I was this morning. I was like, Sam, you need to come in a few hours before the podcast. I'm panicking about this book layout. I don't, I just don't know if I'm going to be able to do it. She comes in and I give her the stuff I want. She's like, Oh, that's easy. Just do this and this. And I pass her my laptop and she sets all the pre-flights. She's like, oh, this is just a preset and this is just a this. And you are like, oh, it's no big deal. That's that's because of it's so many experience. years of yeah, being what I'm punched saying. in the and, face. And it's, <laughs> yeah. Yes, it's true that it's super stressful until the point when it's not. Like other people are talking to me about the Red Earth Project. They're like, you're going to do live illustration during rehearsal to insert into the project. Oh, that's easy for you. To me, that I'm like, yeah, that's easy. And they're freaking out, right? So it's just whatever you're used to doing. So in this case, you have so much more experience doing pre-flight and getting a book, all the disparate pieces into the right shape and in on time that you just stare that semi-trailer right in the eye and it's no big deal. I've transformed my traumas into useful tidbits. Oh, Sam, why do I need you to lay out seven books to go to press tomorrow? But I it, wasn't happy when that happened, but now I can take those feelings. And bring it back around to what you want to talk about with the type, right? You also have to be able to pivot when a better idea arrives, even if it's the last second. Now mm-hmm. you can tell your story. Yes. So as well as being an illustrator, I am a graphic designer. So mm-hmm. I did the type treatments for Cassie and Tonk, Rust and Water, like all my books. I'm, I'm the one doing the type. And the and type I'm, means? Um, like the, the title, the... Um, <laughs> Uh, it's a typographic logo almost. So it's mm-hmm. it's Cassie and Tonk, but there's a little flower worked into the Cassie, and there's a little gear worked into the Tonk. Um, so when the title stands by itself, it has a bit of character. It's almost like its own individual Tells logo. Story. Yeah. Tells a bit of a story. Yeah. So I did the same thing with gear and C. I worked in like a subtle bit of a gear, um, like cogs onto the G, and then in C, we have like these little waves going up the A, and it's very subtle, you know, it's still very readable, but when the type is by itself, it's got a bit of character to it. And I've always felt that was important, that when you take the titles away from the covers, they still have something to them. Um, So I did that for gear in C as well, and I sent all my files over to Sam. Sam was like, I need a back cover, I need a spine, I need this, I need that, I need like black and white for the interior, and I gave her all these files and I gave her the type and then I'm just kind of standing there shaking and she's like okay you're done go away now yeah I basically I said that a couple times like go go just yeah just chew so I'm like okay this is this is the time this is the hour that when we send it to Friesen's they're the our printer they're either gonna say yep good or there's this huge problem you need to fix this before we can do anything so 
Sam kicked me out of the studio, and I just went uh, down the street to uh, the King's Head for lunch, which is uh, a place that we go to. And so I'm just sitting there on my phone waiting to either be told I can go to bed now or that there's a problem. And then Sam texts... Because you've been up all night. Because I've been up all night. Sam texts this picture and says, Claire took a look at the cover and she did this thing with the type. Claire what do you is think? also a graphic designer for book packaging. That is a big part of what she does. Claire relayed out my type and did like a 10 times better job of it than I did. She did it using a screenshot too. Um, <laughs> and it made me so angry. <laughs> but what? But, but in a good way. But in a good, in way. good way. But here's it the- It looked so much better. But yeah. here's the thing. Um, when she sent that to me, my initial reaction was, I'm not feeling this. Like, uh, but then three seconds later, I just kept looking at it and I was like, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. Because like you said, my brain was, it's the last minute. I don't mm-hmm. want to change it. And then I was like, you know what? No, I do. And also she has the, she has the insight and experience in that genre of just how the package has to look for YA. She was completely right. And I mean, it was such an easy fix. And you'll also see it, listener, when you look at the cover. But a big part of the story is about these gems that these two girls wear. And she took the type and she basically made it like frame these two gems gems, and frame the girls. And we were just like, God damn it. Maybe they can hear us. Hey, maybe that's it. Maybe it's sound that attracts them. There's a thing that I see happen a lot. And... um, a uh, friend and publisher who, um, I'll leave nameless at this point, we were having a conversation at New York Comic Con and we were looking at somebody else's table display and they were telling me what their book was about. And their book was about these big cyborg dragons. And I was like, that is a, I wanna read a book about cyborg dragons, are you kidding? Amazing. But the cover didn't tell me a single thing about the contents of the book. And I was just so, confused by this i leaned over to my publisher friend i was like you know why why wouldn't you if you spent all the time to write this series of novels why wouldn't you then spend that same care in making sure that the cover of the book relates it and he said well you know people get into accidents five miles from home no gas left there's no yeah they're just they're done they've turned off they're back home kind of and they're bringing it in and so that is why even if you are doing most of it yourself or all of it yourself there's a moment near the finish line where i think it's really important to have a fresh set of eyes that is practice like the reason why claire was the perfect you know number one she wrote it so it's in her blood how it should be so of course she sees the thing in the art that is the most central to the story right and she is working constantly in that genre and seeing how those covers are supposed to convey their information to their audiences. So the rest you know, of her covers as well are super great. Uh, amazing, which was also um, added to the pressure of doing a good job on this yeah, because right? I didn't want to have a not so great cover alongside all her other amazing mm. looking covers. Um, and, <laughs> right. And she, for the dear listener, she's hiring. And we'll get her to talk specifically about the process, but she's yeah. hiring artists to do the covers, but she is art directing and doing the layout herself. So it's it's her vision. She's used to, I think, and it's a good thing to have in this process, is someone who is used to putting together all the moving parts. It's like what we were just talking about. You're used to the mess and refine it down, right? 
you gave her all of the elements. She looked at that and she's like, okay, that's a good first take, but given these elements, let's move this here and this here and this there. It's not a redo. It was just a rearrangement, mm -hmm. but the right kind of rearrangement at the right moment, I think. You can see, where can they see the cover if they're really anxious? They should just Google gear and see. Well, again, they can go to uh, Big Cartel slash Chasing Artwork. Right. Um, they can see it directly on there. Um, you can see it on Instagram. Yeah. Clarice yeah. Marshall's yeah. website. Yes, which is www.fairyinkpress.com. Fairy Fairy Ink Press. Uh, so you can see it there. It's it's all over our social media. So yeah, we'll be posting about it again soon. As soon as Facebook the books arrive. As well. We'll, yeah, we have it splashed, yeah. splattered all over our yeah. it's social very, media. We're very proud of it. Mm -hmm. and so we popped that out, um, but we were also doing other things. So um, you were working on Red Earth. I was working on Red Earth. Well, first, uh, we went to, you know, cities involved in the last few weeks. We've been in uh, Winnipeg, Toronto, Phoenix, uh, Seattle, Chicago, Chicago, right? So there was all of that happening. <laughs> and then I'm working on Red Earth, the devised theater project, as well as the accompanying book. Um, so, like, such a gratifying creative experience. Um, so don't misconstrued uh, my uh, expressed stress about getting the book finished with the actual content of it. The content was just such a pleasure to create. But now it's, it's just, if you need something done, ask a busy person, I think, is what's been going on. And uh, we're really busy, and we've been asked to finish a bunch of stuff. I uh, had a... I have a book called Arena City, a book pitch out, which I've been reviewing with another publisher. I have Good Boys that I finished my draft of that I sent to Portage and Maine. And so that's with the editor right now. I'm getting notes back on that right away. Um, you've been working on Dragon Nanny. I've been writing stuff for Dragon Nanny. I've been doing stuff for a uh, uh, this two TV producers that we've been in touch with as a result of going to shows that I've been having to sort of boil down a bunch of our content into little blurbs of like what they're really about and what markets they might fit in and just feeding that to the people who want to make decisions and got some bites on those things. Um, we have a sit down with a movie producer on Friday about another, you know, possibility, which is like what did I call it in the tech? Dream smoke. It's just dream, dream smoke. smoke right now. But and I was like, that's a production company. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, trademark, trademark, trademark. <laughs> TM. Ding. Um, yeah. Just, uh, and then those two art pieces that we're doing for printing. We met blood. some other deadlines. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been hectic, but very mm -hmm. rewarding also. Mm -hmm. But all three of us made a book. Guarantee Red Earth, which yeah. is going to press on Friday. Yeah. And I just sent in a thing to, uh, no. Okay. <laughs> We're not allowed to. Okay, so for just, those of Justin, you who don't know what just happened there. We're playing there, charades. Yeah, Justin wrote a thing. He <laughs> wondered, are we guys, allowed? You know that I can edit stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I can say whatever and I can edit it. Oh, well, I appreciate this. And I'll just draw the picture, but I won't tell what was in it. So, dear listener, Justin wrote down a thing. Should we talk about this yet? Big question mark. Are we allowed to talk but about But he wrote this it in yet? the no, thinnest no... little red pencil. You're not that and old. And then he you held can... it up. I don't even have my glasses on, and no. I could read it from across thinnest the table. So oh, that hurts. <laughs> and uh, then he held it up for us to decide whether we should discuss it. And Sam this is bad content. <laughs> oh, no, okay, so let's make it good content. While juggling six balls in the air. How do you know when it's okay to talk about things when you're actually the one in charge of them? How do you not 
say too much like in a way it seemed like a brag list right we're not this isn't the brag list episode it just feels that way it's really just our day if you break down the things that you guys have to do in your lives dear listeners into a to-do list of every day on your stressful days it's probably a big list that i would get freaked out at too right this is just our list is made of different stuff i think is an important thing to point out but how do you know when to talk about what so I think when it comes to books, you have to you have to think about how this is going to this reveal. What is this going to do to the viewer? Be and what follow up questions are they going to have? So right. if you announce tomorrow, I've got this new book I'm working on called Dragon Wars or something, right. um, I'll be like, okay, that's cool. When is it coming out? What's it about? Like, right? You're just announcing it, but you need to also have a plan for what follows up after that. So it needs to have a conflicted in the, in my, I want to be transparent to people who are interested in creating stuff with the fact that I make lots of stuff at the same time. Mm -hmm. But in the way that social media drips out, it's absolutely confusing to people. They're like, wait, I thought you're working on this. Oh, you're working on that now. Oh, you're working on, and there's no point to pause to everyone and say, my day to day is pivoting between lots of projects every day and that while it is true is difficult to represent in a way that a casual observer can look at it and say oh i get it when we're talking about social media i think yes a tragic irony the sick stayed well and the healthy became blind i sat in on the final edit of a short film two short films that um we've been working on and yeah so it's just been i don't even it's it feels just like every minute is accounted for. And I'm also trying to be a decent dad, right? So like the one thing that I, I've been doing more lately to balance that, which I think is an important thing for those of you out there listening with um, families, when you come home, you should be home. Like I'm not the best at it, but I try really hard to say, this is off now. I'm not going to answer these texts. I'm not going to look at my email. Like I'm playing with the kids. I'm going to the park. But you do have, you have a workplace away from home. That makes it possible. Do you think if you worked from home right now, I couldn't, it would be too much. Yeah. Yeah. I need the right now. Um, when I have two projects, I can work at home. I can create a divide in my head between my emotions and my needs creatively and, uh, parentally and um, spousally, I can do all that. That's no problem. But once it gets past my limit, I need the physical di- divide so that I don't need to do any. Men- I don't need to use any mental energy to hold that divide aside. We're gonna have. Uh, we're gonna bring on a friend of ours. Ian Brown is gonna come on the show as a yes. guest in the upcoming weeks. Um, he's a programmer that we know that works from home and seems to have a very regimented and fig- he's kind of figured out the working from home. Yeah. Ian, if you're listening logistics. from our perspective, it seems like your work life balance is pretty great. Yeah. So we're going to demystify the heck out of that when you're on. Because I definitely can't, uh, I can't work from home healthily. Like I can get, I can be productive, but mentally things will start right. to. Yeah. And, I, and I find that if I'm working from home now, uh, because of the divide between family needs when the kids go to bed and I'm trying to be more healthy than not like stay up till 4 a.m. But if I work from home, that's what I end up doing. I end up just using all the time when everyone's asleep. Yeah. Right. And so then your day kind of rolls over into this vampiric 
state. <laughs> so trying not to do that. Um, other things that are going on is that uh, we all, uh, Justin less so, but we had a bunch of freelance stuff also to do that we had undertaken. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're working for a TV company, social media marketing yes. side. Yeah. So I took this gig because a friend of mine is on the team. So it's a marketing it's a marketing job, which actually isn't my background, but it actually has a lot of writing involved. So it's writing copy for a major American television network for their Facebook. So I'm just on the Facebook team. There's a team for Pinterest and a team for Instagram and for Twitter, but I am just straight up Facebook. And so that uh, I jumped in feet first and it's been a very steep learning curve because television is much different than publishing. Mm-hmm. And I've learned a ton and it's a ton that I'll actually be able to apply to my own work. So it's been very valuable, but I kind of took it on just because I was A, doing this person a favor who asked me to join the team and B, I was like, eh, what the hell? Uh, so I did that, but also I had other clients. Uh, like I had to do some layout, I had to do some ebook conversion, I had to do some editorial. and. Uh, I can't remember if I've talked about this before, but I'm trying to lessen my client load. So this has been like a a couple of months of just tying up loose ends and then kind of letting clients go because my goal for this year is to put more time into my personal projects and my art um, than I am working on client work because I've found that I've, I've done it for many years and it's been very rewarding. I've learned a lot. But I basically take on tons of clients for very little money so that I'm just stuck in Victorian piecework land where I am barely scraping by a living, but I feel like I'm never sleeping. <laughs> so <laughs> I had this vision of like the little match girl, but... Spoiler, like, she dies at the end. Yeah, yes. just editing, <laughs> but just editing books in the street. Like people like, oh, I'll, I'll edit your manuscript, sir. Yes, and uh, but it was also becoming frustrating because I was doing all of this work for other people's art. And whereas I really do love helping people like get to that next level, mm-hmm. um, it's still taking away from the projects I really want to do. So this um, job with this marketing uh, firm it actually allows me to be home more so that I can, in the downtime, I can do more art, um, which I have well, been able to do, which has been great. Yeah, and each of us, in, you know, if you have a creative lifestyle, <clears throat> or if you're just, you know, doing side gigs or side hustles or whatever you want to call it, if you have creative outlets, um, some of them don't make you any money and you're fine with that because that's not what you're, you're honing your craft, right? But we all have to eat and live. And so at certain points, you do have to make concessions to say, um, this is the wrong time for this work that's been offered to me. But if I don't take it now, it won't get offered again. It's not like the nine to five where next week there's more work and the week after that there's more work. This is the kind of gig where it's feast and famine. And so if you have four great things offered to you, you kind of have to say yes to all four of them and you burn them in night oil to get them all done. And they don't all come out at the same time. So then that is where I think for a lot of people, they see creative folks as constantly having this stream of regular content as if they were working on one, finished it, and then it came out. Working on one, finished it, and then it came out. What's more true in these fields is that you're working on lots of stuff. In these big gluts, they all get finished. But publishing schedules, release schedules, production schedules mean that they come out then at different times. And if you're managing yourself halfway decently, and I could definitely learn to be better at it, 
you don't let them cannibalize each other. You don't let one step on the toes of the other. So you trickle it out slowly. Yeah. And then what that creates on the outside is this perception of this person always has a new book out every four months. Well, it's like wow, you were saying impossible. too, it's also from the viewer's perspective, it's kind of like confusing. Like, oh, you're doing this, this, and this? Like I thought, yeah. thought it was just the one book, but right. no, is it three? So what am I supposed to? Which one am I supposed to back? I want to I wanna support you. I want to be interested, but which one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and you, that's where you really have to do a lot of foundational back-end strategizing yeah. first. It's like movie studios. They, they'll keep movies kind of like... They'll sit on them for a while mm. because right now Star Wars is like dominating December. So we're not going to release our movie until January when all that's died down and yeah. people are ready to get excited about trailers, a new thing. Like, yeah. sure. right? People will literally black out the weeks around anything related to a Marvel movie trailer. There's no point in the releasing Joker a trailer. The Joker trailer just dropped today. Yeah. Oh, it good. did? Oh. oh I was, uh-oh. I'm excited. I haven't seen it yet. Um, but I mean, by that same token, uh, another thing I've learned from this marketing job is that this network that I work for, they, they're constantly putting out brand new films, brand new mm-hmm. content. It's a different world. It's television stuff. Um, but it's like they have a new movie every week. Brand new movie. And uh, so they're wow. constantly having to, re- to direct people to it. But... They're promoting it all at once at the same time. And, you, you know, you express this concern like, oh, what should I support? What should I mm-hmm. consume? People but, will consume it all. You just well, have to really have... TV is passive consumption, right? You can just turn it on and then it, it happens. It's true. Right? Sure, but they are all products that yeah. they spent a lot of time on. And as far as marketing them goes and directing people goes to them, um, they are... They aren't kind of favoring one over the other. Yeah, They're true, saying true. the thing that we are selling is us, our values, our brand, and we want you to engage with that at all times, no matter how much content is going out. Because one day you guys are going to be maybe uh, with Good Machine. You're going right. to have tons of projects coming out in a season. And again, you can't favorite them. You have to promote them all equally, and they'll be coming out within like a couple months of each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and you might have You might grow to this point where you're putting out tons of new content. Um, you just have to have a plan. Now, when it's gone, open up the gates and take off. But until then, no noise at all. All right? I wanted to bring up something. What do you guys, what is your strategy or how do you feel about bringing up stuff that you've worked on in the past and resharing it over and over again? Like going back five, ten years, there's a lot of cool projects that we've right. all worked on. And just reminding people and that I've, they exist. Yeah, I've been noticing some people on my, my social media, they keep bringing up older projects that like I'm familiar with, but a lot of their viewers and newer viewers aren't. And I'm kind of recognizing like, oh, there's actually a lot of value to this back catalog that I wasn't really, I didn't give it much value before. It's like, oh, it's old work. I don't think That's about right. it anymore. But now I'm seeing people cash in on that old portfolio and keep bringing it up i wonder is this an extension of the thing we've been seeing somebody had a a great idea at some point in social media land to say you know like the facebook algorithm now says remember this post from three years ago here's a memory do you want to let people see this memory again but it's that it's that exact thing it's the recycling of old content to a new you know what because the algorithm has changed and not everyone has seen it and That's right. the big thing about when I have to write social media posts is that they don't, they, 
they they won't point it out, but they don't get super concerned about repetitive language because the same people will not be seeing it. Right. And they have to build that into their strategy. So to us, it feels like we're being like like we're pepper spraying people with the same stuff. But to them, it feels like you're trying to hit like different people because you're going to and that and that has a big thing to do with the time you release the content Mm. and what platform and when the engagement spikes are what time zone you're in i find it funny that i'm resistant to the idea in this context but in our conversation before the podcast about how when someone walks up to a table and sees a book you Mm -hmm. don't remind them that it's an old work you let it be new to them Certainly. So, I and I, I let that mystify me with when I saw my first novel, The Lake in the Library at Cons. Yes, it's um, astounding. You know, because people pick it up and I say, that's my first novel, uh, but I've stopped doing that unless we've ha- had a conversation. Um, no, yeah, let people like what they like, Because they like it, and then if they have questions about it, <laughs> oh, then that I'll say... that old thing? Yeah, exactly, because it's brand new to them. They've never seen it before, yeah. even though it came out in 2013. It's still brand new to them. And you guys keep selling Cassie and Tonk. Yeah. It's well, like it's the same anymore. thing. Not anymore. It's all gone now. It's all gone. We We're going to reprint a new edition, but that's the thing that's coming up in the future. Yeah. But uh, um, I was going to say to that like old content. So I was, uh, there was a small production company uh, in Toronto that saw me at a show. And when we got to talking, we were talking about uh, chain of title, right? And we've talked about it here a few times on the show. Clear chain of title is the distance between the thing you made and your ownership of it. So by way of example, if Marvel hires me to write Daredevil, I have no chain of title on Daredevil. I just wrote that story, but if a producer comes to me and says, I'd really like to produce the Daredevil story you wrote, I don't have a say in that, right? I have no chain of title. Whereas most of the books on my table, like 80% of them, I have clear chain of title. If someone comes and says, I want that, I'm, the one that can speak like I want to make to a movie it. about yeah. that who do yeah. I talk to yeah. about that you talk to me about that right and at the big big level that is not great right people want you to have an agent because they're used to talking to agents but at the mid level like what I'm what we're dealing with right now with this like mid-tier television development mid-tier movie development those companies don't want lots of middle people because all those middle people have to be paid before they can even talk to you they want to just pay you so they can talk to you about it, right? So if they have a, a development fund of you know only 30 grand, which is a paltry amount in film or TV development, but they're still trying to get something off the ground, if you take all the steps out of the chain of title where they can say, hey, we want to option this, we'll pay 10 grand, let's sit down and talk about it, suddenly something's happening and there's momentum, right? So these are the kind of conversations we've been having right now. Um, and bringing back around to this idea of old work. So I made a list of a bunch of new things I was excited about and I included in a bunch of my back catalog that in my mind was almost like an afterthought, right? I was like, oh yeah, that's right. I should, I should include this. I should include this. But I my heart I is not excited about I know, it the but... same way because I already wrote that and it's old. But the feedback I got was this property, this property, and this property we'd like to talk more about. And they were all from my back catalog. And suddenly my workload moving forward <coughs> went down to zero. Now all I have to do to do step two is send them those books to have that conversation. Not write a new treatment, not write an outline, not send production art. Just send them some things from my back catalog. Already done, yep. And it felt at first like oh, like a betrayal to my 
like, to the yeah. to the me, the now me. Because you can do so much better now. This right. is yeah. But it's okay. You can just let your old work speak for you because it's new to those people. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, and that is something that you should always be. You should yeah, because I find that you've already done the work, like you said, and. I've had this conversation actually with a bunch of people this week where um, I had to repackage something for a client that they did 10 years ago and they, they were like, well, now I have to figure out how to make money on it. And my reaction was, well, you launch it because it's a brand new product. And they were concerned that, well, we've all, I've already launched the book. I launched it 10 years ago. And I was like, but it's new now. Yeah. You've, had, you've repackaged it. It's a new format. It's got all these new things. Like You can launch it again. And there's a hundred years of consumer training that a 10 year anniversary of something is important. Yeah. Yeah. And even if it wasn't, you can launch it again. And, um, I actually, I started a Patreon this week and a big thing for me was, oh, you know, I put all this time and effort into the launch and I got a good response and it was really great. And then it's like, then I did it on Friday and Monday arrives and I'm like, well, I've launched it in my I had now this, what? It's my, over. My hat, yeah, it's over. But then I was like, it's not over because there's tons of people who haven't seen it. Yeah. So I have to now continue to promote it. Now I'm promoting it. I'm not launching it. It's now a thing that exists. Now I promote it and I have to build a strategy based around promoting it by linking to new content right. with it. So it will continue to be a thing. And that's where I find a lot of new authors are like, I've launched the book. Now it's done. Mm-hmm. And no, you have to now pound the pavement. If I'm still selling a book that I published in 2013, uh, I'm still I'm still grinding at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you and you have to kind of have that perspective that every week it's new potential people who can see your stuff, and so you have to be excited about it as you were on launch, and that and you have to really focus in on that. Another thing that. Patreon.com slash? Yes, uh, Patreon.com slash SMBico, where I am talking about, uh, specifically about the production and behind the scenes stuff for making the comic Krampus is My Boyfriend and my art. All of it is explained on there, but it's basically just very focused on supporting the comic. Thank you, Dan. (laughs) Yeah, thanks, Dan, for being a great producer. Let me talk, let me just wax poetic about how it's so important to promote things and then not promote it. (laughs) (laughs) They're already listening, I hope. Don't turn it off. We need you. (laughs) We need you, please. Miss Jameson! Can anybody hear me? I got my first ever uh, public lending rights check. Yes, I've been meaning to ask you about that. How how was it? How was it? Ladies and gentlemen uh, of the jury. Please, if you have any work uh, in libraries and you live in Manitoba, this is just a Manitoba thing? Is this no, this it's one? Canada. It's Canada-wide. Oh Canada my gosh. Council, thank you. Then all of Canada, please listen. Canada Council supports the arts through a thing called the public lending rights. The premise being this. If people read books in libraries, it might not equal a book sale because they already read it. They calculate that and they pay you for those library checkouts yes yeah that's a real thing and we did all the paperwork for it and it was really a pain in my ass and i had a huge because poor gregory has a giant catalog (laughs) (laughs) and uh so i did the initial work and then sam finished off the paperwork at the urging of uh, another friend of ours and suddenly uh now it's just a thing that will happen 
And I mean, it's not a. It's the not check an, comes in February. That's right. It's not an exorbitant sum of money, but it's money that exists from the back catalog. Mm -hmm. Again, coming back around to that idea of like, let it work for you, right? You did all that work. And you let it do it while you thing. sleep, yeah. because now yeah. that you submitted this to PLR, it's, it's you don't have to do it every single year unless you have a new thing that's eligible. Um, so, for instance, I also got a PLR check which was super awesome, uh, but I had submitted Children of the Bloodlands as well, and it wasn't eligible because of the time cutoff, but it'll come for me the next year. Right. Uh, and I think the max payout for PLR is like $4,300. So there is a cap, it's not endless, but this is a thing that I get when people come to me at shows when they're like, oh, I spent all my money, but I, and I take a lot of books out yeah, of the you library. You and I both do this. You did it for, like, we say, go get it in the library. And they're like, what? And so then I get to tell people, there's this great thing in yeah. Canada. Yeah. And I get a royalty, um, not only from the library purchasing the book, because I'm traditionally published as an indie author, you arrange that as well, but for checkouts, not only for the print book, but also for the ebook, and if you have an audiobook as well. Yeah. So, there is just it's it's very wonderful and it comes just comes to you in the mail and it's like surprise yeah well and it's also you know it's it's canada gets a lot of things wrong but canada gets some things really right and i think these are one of the places where there's room for support of the arts in our country that is like i'm very thankful for and it's these little things but they're litigious like there's a lot of paperwork you have to be you have to do it a certain way and if you do it wrong you have to resubmit it, right? But if you go through the hoops, it's, you know, just do it. Even if you have one book, even if you have two books, it doesn't matter how many books you have. And then imagine how great it is to tell people it's in the library. Please go check it out. And you get to support your libraries at the same time. Yeah, because libraries are amazing, right? They're so wonderful. And it's, um, you get to be free of the horrible class system, right? You just get to say, <laughs> it doesn't matter if you have money for art, you can just go take it out of the library where we're all paying for it. Yes. Right? Yeah. So it's, it's great. So those of you who think Canada is a socialist country, in some avenues, you're right. Right? My latte still costs $4, though. <laughs> so in other places, not so much. Yeah. What else? Calgary is coming up. Calgary is coming up. Yeah, we're just getting all the logistics sorted for that. Yeah. Did you do your U-line order? You can cut this, Dan. I just want to make sure. Okay. But the Airbnb <laughs> anyway. is booked. Awesome. And it's going to be just a fun time. Yeah. I'm just so excited because this is my first big con of the year. I've done a couple of local ones, but you guys have been traveling. But I feel like Calgary is like, it feels like a home con because all the people we... Calgary feels like home con. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All the people we know there. But all the people we've built up. I've been going to that show since I started doing shows yeah, 10 years like ago. Yeah, since like 2009, I've been doing the Calgary show, I think. And, you know. And Claire lives there. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just so happy. Yeah. So happy to go. Corkalicious lives there. We've got good memories just of doing that. And it's a long show. It's Thursday to four Sunday. Days. It's four yeah. days. It's four days now. But I always feel just super energized while I'm doing it and after, which is like a thing that is kind of a rare feeling. I mean, I'll see how we are. And Calgary has the Panel One community there, which is like this little grassroots, like comics, oh, supporting yeah. comics. We did that pinball party it. last yeah, year. Yeah, they just, there's all this stuff in Calgary. I would never live in Calgary, <laughs> but I <Okay>. love <laughs> to visit elsewhere. Calgary. I have to swear I could never live in Calgary, but I love to visit. They have a, a hard fought arts scene in Calgary. It has uh, survived. So, yeah, it does feel like a home show. It's the first show ever where uh, someone remembered my work and lined up for it. 
That's the first time that ever happened. So Calgary will your always... very early work that you're yeah. like, oh, I forgot about this. Right. <laughs> yeah. Sort of work. And they, you know, remembered me. And then I missed a year and then I came back and then they were like, oh, you weren't here last year. Mm -hmm. I was like, excuse me, you notice you, re you remember yeah. my, me and my work and they're like yeah i'm really excited about what you're doing yeah. like do you have new stuff and that's when i it was the first time when i realized that the work is separate from you and that it reaches people without your help right once they got it right they went away and something in there and they weren't really interested in talking to me after mm -hmm. or like knowing me they were interested in the thing I had made, and that was one of the first times. So Calgary has this yeah. like reverence to me as the first place that I ever really that felt was, that. Yeah, and that was also the first show I've ever, that I was invited to as a guest, and uh, it was uh, it was just very astounding. First of all, how many uh, books? Me I, too, actually. Yeah. How many books I sold, and just um, the people coming up, and they had done research, like they do. They release the creator guests, and then there are attendees who come up and say, yeah, so I looked up all your stuff, and I, like, some people will have bought my books off-site to have them... And bring them to and sign. bring them to be signed. Whoa. Or books that um, they purchased, not because of the impetus of the show, they already had them. Yeah. That is also the shocking yeah. one. Or, oh, I bought your book yesterday, and I read it overnight, and I need the sequel now. Yeah. That's, I started getting that. Uh, so, yeah, it did make me feel like I was real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and dear listener, the three of us have all reached a place right now with our back catalog where weird things happen. It's weird to us. It's normal in like the world in general. But people will bring a book that they received as a gift mm. that they liked, which is also a shock. And then, <laughs> right, they want us to sign it or like want us to like interact. They want to know who then made it, right? Like it's completely removed from our from our constellation right mm -hmm. and they saw it and they you know that's to me just still a wonderful i still get like whoa do you the remember the magic of creating is it two years ago i think in might have been regina or maybe it was calgary a little girl and her dad <gasps> With the tattered came book and had a oh cassian tonk that was just like demolished because she carried around and read it over and over and it was just a destroyed oh. copy of the book and i think that's like the happiest oh, man. I've ever been. Yeah. It was great. Oh, um, I think, I can't remember what con it was. I feel like it was Calgary, but a to like total strangers came to my table and they were like, can I get a selfie with you? And, oh, and, I, yeah. and I like had to turn around because I was like starting to like tear up. And I was right. like, yes, one. <laughs> right. And it's funny because like, you know, on one side of it, you could say like, oh, this is your ego now at work. Right. And like, there's a, there's a you have to admit that there's a piece of ego in the creative field. You believe you have something worth sharing, yeah. and then you shared it, and someone got it, and yeah, that does feed your ego. But there's another part that I was a eight-year-old kid or a ten-year-old kid that saw somebody's work somewhere, and I said, "This is amazing." It awakes something in you that makes you want to create something of your own, or take a stand against something, or like you know, like the idea is planted, that inception moment where like the unintended consequence of the creative act. That's actually where the wonder is for me, is the knowledge that like a young person who actually doesn't understand the context of, that the book was written, what publishing is, how marketing works, none of that matters. That's all virgin territory to them. And they just engaged with the story and the message and it meant something. And so that's part of them now forever, right? If a meteor hits this building, that's still part of them, right? Yeah. When a meteor hits this building. Okay. Well, dear listener, I think we're going to end on that note, which is Gregory's favorite thing is to remind us of our mortality. That's right. Well, I'll be dead soon, so I'll do be stuff. Dead soon.
This has been Super Pulp oh, Science, where, you remind, where we remind you that you'll be dead soon, so you should do stuff. Also, how genre gets made. Join, join the, the fight, fight and make, make comics.